My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Pleasure to serve and welcome to you here this morning. It's great to have you here today. We gather together to remember, uh, to remember that we are broken and that we have sinned. And the consequence of our sin is death, a price we cannot pay. We gather today to remember uh, this very symbol here, this cross that is gathered uh, here at the front, and the lights are on it, and it's a beautiful display. But truly, when we consider the cross and what Christ has done and the Romans' intent to the cross, it's, in some ways, it's, it's lost the significance that it had in the days of Jesus. You see, the cross was not a beautiful thing. It was never meant in, in, in Romans' mind to be a symbol of beauty, a symbol of salvation. No, instead it was a symbol of suppression. You see, the Romans sought to suppress all people, especially those who opposed them, and the cross was the tool by which they led with an iron fist. Uh, If you opposed Rome, if you opposed uh, the Roman emperor, the cross was your fate. Therefore, everyone to see that rebellion leads to death. We've lost that a little bit in our day because we don't truly appreciate the cross and what it means. Uh, We've sanitized it in so many ways. We've lost how terrible It was to hang on the cross, often naked for all to see. To hang on the cross where everyone would watch you die, often by suffocation, as you grew weary, pushing up to grab that breath of air that you so desperately need to stay alive. The cross. The cross was not only for, is not only for us something that is hard to grapple with, In the days of Jesus and those that followed him, it was also something that the people struggled to understand. Paul writes to the church of Corinth, and if you have your Bibles here with you, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he writes this, For the words of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, And the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolishness the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demanded signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, a folly to the Gentile. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring uh, to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. 
And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's take a moment to pray, and then we'll dive into this this morning. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to appreciate the wonder of the cross. Help us to appreciate all that you did for us when you died on the cross in our place. Father, we pray that you would speak as you see fit to each one of us gathered here this morning. Change our lives, we pray. Help us to understand, to yield, to submit, to walk in step with you. We love you, Lord. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. This morning, I just want to take a few moments to consider this first verse of, uh, that I read this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Notice what Paul is saying to the church of Corinth about the cross. Like I said, sometimes we, 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 we lose sight of what the cross really meant. In the day uh, of Jesus, in the day of the early church, the cross was a symbol of the oppression of the Romans. The cross was a symbol of rebellion and what happens to those who rebel. In the ancient world, it was all about extremes. And, and Rome used the cross to defeat his enemies. Hmm. And yet, yet it's the very thing that God chose to use to, ex- to give his expression of the depth of his love towards you and me. More than that, the cross is the symbol of God's love towards us in that he paid in full for all our sins. Notice how Paul says that. It's for the word of the cross. It's folly to those who are perishing. Why the cross? Of all the ways that God could have saved us, of all the ways God could have expressed his love to us, of all the ways that God could have extended forgiveness to us in this fallen and broken world, why the cross? Why the cross? Tony Evan gives six reasons for the fall or for sin, and uh, he expresses in these six reasons some things that I'd like to consider here this morning. First of all, he expresses that our fallen world, our sinful nature, our, our uh, desire to be autonomous versus dependent to God is one of the key reasons that God allowed these things to happen. God wanted to show you and me, he wanted to show the principalities of the world that dependency is far greater than autonomy. That dependency is far greater than autonomy. I think that that is true. As we look at the cross, we see that God entered into the world and he showed us that dependency on God, on the will of God, of walking in step with God through the person of Jesus Christ, leads to a far greater outcome than autonomy, doing your own thing. It was Jesus who, sat, uh, who was in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Father, take this cup from me, but not your will, but my will be done. Jesus yielded and submitted to his Father's will and desire. And in so doing, he proved to you and to me that when we depend on God, when we depend on the fullness of the Spirit, when we walk in step with Jesus, when he becomes the target and the aim, it leads to far greater gain 
for our greater gain. See, the enemy of our soul would seek to help us to believe that autonomy is far better, that it's far greater to do things of your own accord, it's far greater to stand strong on your own and and to boast in nothing else but your own self-sufficiency. But friends, that leads to nowhere but death. You see, we need to recognize that the cross is, is a reminder that we need to be dependent on God. Secondly, God wanted to reveal through the cross and through the brokenness of our planet that there is a greater glory. There's a greater glory that he wants to express uh, uh, to us. The cross is a display of his greatest glory, isn't it? Jesus would come and he would die and save us from our sins through the cross, a symbol in the ancient world of, of oppression. It was through the cross that Jesus revealed his greater glory. As the enemy presses in, as the enemy seeks to declare that he has the victory, the greater glory of God is revealed even in the midst of dire circumstances. God wants to reveal his greater glory in the midst of the fall in this broken world, in the midst of the person of Jesus Christ, in the midst of the cross. In addition... There's a revelation here of the meekness of God, authority under control. I've been thinking a lot lately about meekness and how important meekness is to have authority under control. See, Jesus could have called on the angels to set him free on the cross. He could have, he could have stopped at any moment the, the reality of what was about to happen, yet... Yet even though he had the authority, even though the power was extended to him and he was God, he chose to control that authority to accomplish the goals and plans of God. He chose to submit to his Father and to yield to the Father's will so that you and I could be saved. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It seems absurd that God would save us through the cross. It seems absurd that, that God would forgive us by the cross. Especially to those who are perishing. A third reason for the cross that uh, he goes on to express is it's not just because uh, a dependency is greater than autonomy. It's not just because of the greater glory of God being revealed. God also wanted us to realize and recognize the hatred that he has towards rebellion and sin. God wanted us to realize or to reveal his hatred that he has towards rebellion and sin. You know, it's a, it's a miracle to me. It's a wonder to me. I can't spend enough time considering and thinking about how Jesus submitted to his creation. When he stood before Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate said, What is the truth? Who's asking, Jesus says. When Pontius Pilate says, Do you not know that I have the power and the authority to give you life and death? It was Jesus said, no, that authority has been given to you. Uh, Pontius Pilate did everything he could to avoid sending Jesus to the cross, but he was a coward. He was a coward. He didn't listen to his wife, who said that she had dreams and said, have nothing to do with this man. No, he was a coward. When he found no guilt and stood before the Jews and said, Listen, listen, I see no guilt in this man. Let him go. He was a coward. 
For they replied, no, crucify him, crucify him. He was a coward. God wanted us to understand how much he hates our sin and our rebellion. And how far it will truly go when left unrestrained. God, God who became flesh and dwelt among us, hung on the cross for you and for me. He died because of our sin. He died because of our rebellion. God wanted us to know that. Fourthly, God wanted to reveal his greater power. Friends, regardless of the circumstances or the opposition uh, towards God or the opposition that is against him and his plans, listen, God is always bigger and far greater. No circumstance is too great for God, not even the cross. I love what Bishop Mole says. There's no situation that is so bad that God cannot, from that situation, create something that is surpassingly good. Love that. No situation is so bad that God cannot, from that situation, create something that is surpassingly good. He did it at creation. When God's created world was perfect in every way. And not only was it, it was good. And yet, Adam and Eve and man turned their back on God. And in so doing, they, they chose autonomy over dependency. And death entered the world. A horrible situation, yet God redeemed. Bishop Moore says there's no situation that is so bad that God cannot from that situation create something surpassingly good. He did it at creation. He did it at the cross. Hmm. He did it at the cross. When God in flesh who dwelt among us hung at the cross, when he who knew no sin became sin for you and me, he did it at the cross. When despair entered the land and everyone thought that it was over, that truly God was dead, the resurrection came on Sunday. Friends, there's no situation that's so bad that God cannot from that situation create something surpassingly good. He did it at creation. He did it at the cross. Friends, now listen. He's doing it today. He's doing it today. Irregardless of your situation, irregardless of what's happening in your life, irregardless of how much despair you're working through or walking through, irregardless of the circumstances of your life, God proved at the cross of Christ that his power is greater, that he is able. He is able to redeem and to reconcile. He is able to bring resurrection Sunday. God revealed through the cross his greater power in all situations, in all circumstances. God proved that his work is not complete until he says it's complete. And the cross is proof of that. Fourthly, Tony Evans points out that nothing can defeat him. No enemy, no circumstance, no idea, no person. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son but gave him up for all of us, how will he also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? 
Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he's the one who's raised, who is the, at the right hand of God, and indeed intercedes for all of us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angel nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor power nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can defeat him. No enemy, no circumstance, no idea, no person, no principality. He is the ruler of all things, and the cross is that which illustrates it. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. The word perishing, friends, is a word that means to be on the road to ruin, on the road to being destroyed. It doesn't mean that you are destroyed in the present, but the road is leading to death. To destruction. See, Paul says to those who are on the road to ruin, those that are on the road to perishing, it's foolishness. The final destination for them is not Jesus Christ the Savior, it's Jesus Christ the judge who will judge all works. You see, friends, if we reject the cross, if we reject what Christ did on the cross, friends, it leads to death. It leads to eternal separation. It leads to judgment, and no one shall stand. You will remember when we talked in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, where Paul says this, that if the gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Same word perishing, in whom the God of this world has blinded the hearts and minds of those who are perishing. Friends, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. They don't understand it. They don't appreciate it. They don't appreciate what Christ has done for them. Friends, if that's where you are today, I encourage you, I implore you, make Christ not your judge, but your Savior. Receive his finished work. Receive what he did on the cross for you. No longer allow the cross to be folly but to be the beautiful thing to be celebrated in your life because he has saved you. Friends, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us, I love how Paul says that, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Notice that Paul uses the plural here when he's speaking about us. But to us, us, Paul is speaking about himself in the church of Corinth, those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Paul acknowledges and recognizes it's the cross that saves. It's the cross that saves. And so he has an element of confidence, not only in his own salvation, but in the salvation of those who believe a part of the church of Corinth. And so he says, it's not folly the cross, but instead, it is the power of God to us who are being saved. You see, salvation comes in a moment when we recognize that we are sinful and that we deserve death. Salvation comes when we recognize that we need to repent and turn to him. Salvation comes in a moment when we say, God, I am sorry for what I have done. Please forgive me. Would you come and be my Lord and my Savior because of what you've done on the cross? Salvation comes in that moment, but more than that, salvation is also a reality that is being worked out from that moment until the moment of death. 
We are being conformed to the image of Christ and we are being saved. We have been saved in a moment, but we are being saved and there's a sense of confidence that we can enjoy because of what Christ did on the cross. For us who are being saved because we've received him in the past, we are living out and working out our salvation with fear and trembling. There's also a promise that we shall be saved in its entirety when we die. And we stand before the King of Kings and he redeems us. For us, the cross. The cross is uh, for us who are being saved. The power of God unto salvation. (laughs) Love that. Friends, no one will stand before God and say, Say, no, I got here on my own merit. I I got here because I tried hard. I got here because I'm sincere. I got here because I went to church. I got here because... Fill in the blank. No, no one will stand before God and say, I got here because... No, rather, those who are saved acknowledge and realize it's the power of God that saves them through the cross of Christ. When I stand before Jesus Christ, my Lord, on that final day, when I stand there and he asks, why shall I enter in? My answer is simple. There's no reason to let me in. I deserve death for I am a sinner. But Christ, Christ died for me and I've received that. He has saved me. I receive that. Enter in, Scott. The Lord Almighty will say, and receive, receive this day all that I have in store for you. Paul goes on to explain that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has conceived all that has God has in store for those in whom he loves. Friends, the cross is a reminder that none of us can boast. No, not one of us. Paul ends this portion of scripture by sort of uh, bringing that to absolute clarity that no one can boast except that we boast in the Lord and what he's done. Friends, today we remember the foolishness of the cross, don't we? We are reminded that we are saved by grace and through faith in what he has done, not by our own works or effort, not by our power and strength, but by by the power of the cross, which is the power of God unto those who are saved. Today we come to remember that Jesus Christ loves us with an everlasting love. That regardless of our circumstances, he's at work and he can, he can raise out of the ashes life, redemption. We come to remember it's all about him, Jesus Christ the Lord and what he did on the cross. Friends, it's the foolishness of the cross That saves us. Let's pray, and I'm going to call on Pastor Art to lead us in communion. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you cared enough to send your son to die in our place. May the wonder of the cross capture our hearts and minds this morning. Renew our faith and give strength to us to live another day. May the wonder of the cross and what Jesus endured and the promise of the resurrection on Sunday be what gives us strength and endurance in the midst of our circumstances that God is not done. And that he is able. He is able. In Jesus' name, amen.